This is Emily Wright, Head of Content at ECHI, and welcome to this episode of Tech Talk Radio. And today I'm joined by something of a legend, Michael. Oh, he's got his head in his hands. Oh, come on. Michael Beckerman, CEO of Cretech. How are you? I'm well. I only wish that when I, if I knew you were going to make such a uh, uh, outrageous introduction, I would have had my wife and kids sitting around listening so they could have heard that their dad, somebody thinks highly of their dad. So well, It's being recorded so you can play it back to them. You can say, <laughs> there you go. So it's a really exciting year for Cretech. It's already been incredibly exciting. You've been buzzing around, you know, d- doing, doing your thing. San Diego just happened, just closed. We've got London coming up. We've got Copenhagen coming up. For anyone who's listening who might not be fully aware of the backstory behind Cretech, could you give everybody a bit of detail and also presumably you're, you're dialing in from New Jersey am I right yes thank you the beautiful garden state um uh, uh, we call it of New Jersey thanks Emily yeah so so quickly um I I've only uh spent my entire career in one industry commercial real estate so long long journey 35 years but the first say 25 was focused on the media, the public relations side. I built an agency in my early 20s that was, and happened to discover commercial real estate along the way, fell in love with the industry, decided to focus on that. And around, I'd say 2008, 2009, 10, really was looking uh, for the next blank canvas for me. And what I mean by that is, for some crazy reason, I'm just gra- I gravitate towards the things that are hard and challenging and difficult, and where there is no sort of marketplace yet. And um, again, as, as I when I complain to my wife and I say, "Oh, what you know, what am I doing? Why this is so hard?" She reminds me again that I gravitate towards the challenging um, uh, opportunities. So. 2008, 2009, I was sort of uh, bored with my current career. I felt like I had pushed it as far as I could. I was just looking for something else to do. And it dawned on me that, you know, why is there no technology that's being discussed or invested or built in the world of commercial real estate? And then, you know, then the next sort of question is, well, why not me? So I started to organize, you know, small meetups and gatherings. Um, This was mostly around New York. and a handful of startups, maybe $50 million invested high net worth in quote unquote prop tech before prop tech was a thing. And then we really started to, to, to scale, I'd say around 16 and 17 around Cretech. So our, our, our primary mode of um, uh, delivery is conferences and content. Um, so our primary objective is how do we drive innovation in the built world? What does that mean? How do we drive technology, new new business models? Um, how do we get the industry to think of itself as uh, a very innovative sort of culture? So fast forward through 20, through COVID, extraordinary accelerant of technology in the built world. Cretech grew globally. We've got about an audience of about 100,000 globally. And the mission remains the same. How do we drive innovation in, in this massive industry that historically underinvest in R&D? Most industries invest about three to five percent back into R&D. Real estate's under a percent. It's not because if it's, it's archaic, Emily, as you know better than anybody, it's just because the industry works extremely well as it is. But I think there's a lot of external forces that are happening in, in the industry that are, that are mandating um, investment in technology. So it's, it's a very good, healthy time for our, for our ecosystem. So that's, that's our sort of Cretech mission. 
And you mentioned there um, about the acceleration through COVID of the industry. And I think we will come back and, and touch on that in a minute. But let's just talk about the impact and the challenges that needed to be overcome in terms of the pandemic for you and for anyone who's built a business and built a brand around events and networking in real life. Um, I know that's not all you guys do, but it's a huge, you know, a huge, huge flagship yeah. part of it. So how did you... How did you deal with that? And I remember, I do remember the the newsletter or the, the email alert that came out just before you were due to do an event in Austin, I believe, in 2020. And you'd done a cartoon of you sitting, looking very glum and bleak on a stage to an empty auditorium. And I, I sort of thought that that was, you know, a great way to kind of, you know, inject a little bit of a little bit of light relief into what was a very difficult situation. But how, how did you overcome that? Yeah, great question. And just gosh, what a, what a, what an extraordinary memory you have. Um, yeah, that that cartoon was done by a friend of mine who I got to him and said, capture my mood. He said, send me a picture. And that's what actually he did. I sent him a picture of my mood and he captured that that sort of sullen face and expression. But yeah, it was an extremely challenging time for any business that was in the live event um, or, you know, person to person um, industry, whether it's food or whether it's hospitality. I mean, I think there's few industries that were hit harder than than ours. And, you know, I'm blessed to have an extraordinary team led, led by my partner, Lindsay Imperator, the president of Cretech and other, many others. And they just, you know, went into to sort of triage and, 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 you know, we had to unwind the events and we pushed to virtual and the virtual was good until it wasn't. Um, until everybody just got oversaturated and I think just sort of sick of uh, Zoom. It was a novelty that I think wore off pretty quickly. Although we, we still use it, it's, it can't replace in-person um, interaction and the power of networking. So, you know, we, we pivoted to virtual, but the audience kept growing. There was still um, a desire. If, if, if anything, it was more of a desire and a thirst and an appetite for technology and innovation. So our audience kept growing. We just had to figure out other ways of delivering the content. So we pushed into into uh, virtual content. We launched a streaming app called Cretech Plus um, and pushed a lot of the content there. And then, you know, last year, 21, at the end of 21, we were able to get back into in-person events in London and then uh, New York, which is our base. Um, but it was a really trying time. But, you know, I think uh, what, what I've learned throughout my whole entire career is that in, in these extraordinary challenges that you face is where the greatest opportunities to grow are. So we became a better company as a result, honestly. Painful decisions, some really tough ones involving um, some personnel and some other business uh, decisions we had to make in terms of cut lines that were not that we were investing in, business lines that were not profitable and needed more time to scale. And, and we had to make those tough decisions, but we made them. And as I said, I think we're a better company as a result. And 2022, uh, we're already can't believe it that we're already in 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 April. Just it's flying by, but um, a very different year again. Um, so let's talk about the 2022 program and not just about locations, although locations would be great. And it would be I mentioned some of the locations, but it'd be really good if you could give our listeners a bit of an idea as to why you've picked the locations you've picked. And then after that, let's talk about some of the content because I know that you guys have a very um, specific idea of what it is that you're looking for and what it is that you're wanting to deliver to your audience but first of all let's talk about the locations where can we expect to see you and why those places yeah thanks Ellie. so um again you know when i was talking earlier about in the conversation about the hard choices so 
you know, New York is our base and, you know, our conferences in New York, we open the doors and there's thousands of people that are lined up to come into that event. Well, that, that after all these years, we, we could make the easy choice and just stay there. But the prop tech sector is thriving in other parts of the world. So we need to go there. So of course we need to be in, in Europe and of course we need to be in London. So we'll be in London um, April uh, 27th and 28th and you will grace our stages once again and we are better off uh, as a result of that. So thank you. And then we go to Copenhagen for a climate dedicated event on May 17th and 19th. And then we go back to New York um, in October uh, for our flagship. So we go where you know we, we need to expand the prop tech market. That's why we went to the West Coast in San Diego um, most recently, and we'll go back likely in 23 because we need to build that audience. So a lot of the decisions that we make is are based on where we think we need to attract more people to this to this sector. And recognize too, Emma, as you know incredibly well, the the prop tech sector as we define it now, while it's getting $30 billion a year in venture investments, and there's 10,000 startups, according to JLL now, it's still in its infancy. And, and, the, and the commercial real estate industry, the biggest asset class in the world, adoption is still a real challenge for most of these uh, startups. And it's a challenge for the, for the real estate companies for a variety of reasons. They don't have the, the infrastructure. They don't have the, the, you know, the, the track record in adopting a lot of these tools. A lot of these tools you know, they don't integrate. So it's very hard for them to just pick these one-off solutions um, and, and integrate them within their portfolio and their operations. So there's a lot of hard work still ahead of us. So that's why we, when we think about where we go, we go where we really need to expand the audience. Thank you very much. And now in terms of the content, both, both in terms of the content that people see and hear on the stage, and in terms of the networking opportunities and the kind of people that you're wanting to attract to your events, how is that working and what's what's your ethos on that? Um, I know obviously we've got Copenhagen, which is very climate focused, but if you can take if we take London as an example, coming up very soon in April, what kind of themes and content can people expect to hear? And then what kind of what kind of networking opportunities in terms of people in the room can they expect? You know, I, I spend most of my time on the content, as you know, and what I've always tried to do is a couple things. One, um, I prefer, I pre if I can, sort of solo or one-on-ones. You know, I think about your interview with Guy Granger, head of sustainability at JLL uh, last year. It was an extraordinary conversation that you had with with Guy, and I think the audience, when they're presented with that kind of format, a one-on-one -on -one or a solo TED Talk type of presentation, you can just learn more in those kind of conversations than, you know, than panels. Now we do have panels because you want to cover, you know, a lot of territory, so they're still important. But I'd say, you know, what we what I try and do is lean in on is fewer speakers but bigger topics, and I try and also think about where the industry's going and i try to think about like what's next you know it's it's not uh, so much about 
what are the specific micro trends that are happening in the marketplace today in terms of technology that 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 is left for great content like yourself to report on and others to you know webinars that are ongoing or white papers and blogs there's a ton of content on what's happening on the ground in prop tech today but where are we going and that's why i really try and lean in on the c-suites so you get CEOs who now really want to be on the stage talking about innovation. So some of the topics will be, they'll be less specific about a, a, a micro trend and more about a company and its approach to innovation or sustainability and climate. So what I found, Emily, is these sort of best practice presentations, discussions, that is what really moves the marketplace. It's what inspires other. When they see their peers on stage showing their playbook, that's what really drives engagement, attendance, and um, interactivity with the audience. So that, that's kind of where I lean in. There's a couple big topics, of course, though, you know, particularly in Europe, um, people want to talk about climate, sustainability, ESG. Great. So we're going to lean in really, really hard on that topic. Uh, construction is a big topic, construction tech, which is, you know, investing about three, four billion dollars a year in um, in technology. And I, I think it's we're going to wake up tomorrow and that number is going to be five times that. So there's a lot of money coming into construction tech. Uh, single family rentals, another really, really big category um, that people want to talk about. Of course, trends in data, ML, um, AI, ML, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and just really the other thing is, you know, sort of where the occupiers are going. What, what is on their mind? We really want to also be able to attract and hear from that audience segment as well. So I think it's really about... I lean in first with the individual who, you know, that I, who is really leading the way in terms of innovation in the real estate industry. And uh, the good news is today, more than ever, we can get those C-suites of the world's biggest real estate companies, you know, whether it's um, the CBREs and the JLLs and Cushman's and the great Portland estates and many, 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 many others and the Oxfords and great venture firms like AO PropTech, PropTech One, Pi Labs, Fifth Wall, they'll all be there. So the good news is we can get the content now and the speakers that really want to be on these stages talking about innovation, whereas in years past, it was definitely more of a struggle. I was going to ask about that. You know, I, I think, you know, particularly when you're talking about the, you know, the big real estate names um, and occupiers, and have you noticed the sort of the change sort of incremental or would you say there's been an exponential leap in terms of suddenly everyone's like okay no we want to be on stage we want to tell everybody yeah. what we're doing yeah great question i think it started before covid we were starting to get some of the big name brands the big companies um that that were really leaning in now it's really most of the real estate uh, community wants to be talking about innovation. I mean, we just came out of our San Diego event. I mean, we had Pulte Homes, one of the biggest, the CEO of Pulte Homes, one of the biggest home builders in the in, in the States uh, present and speak. It was interviewed by Brad Grywe of Fifth Wall. I mean, that that was unheard of a couple of years ago. We're, a whole, uh, you know, we had, we've got a lot of REITs that are speaking now. We've got a lot of asset managers, pension funds that are speaking. We've got huge investment banks, the Goldman Sachs of the world and the Blackstones of the world that are speaking. And, and it's their senior C-suite leadership. So it's definitely changing. A lot, a lot of work to be done still, um, uh, but it's, it's, it's really, really now something that most major real estate companies want to talk about. Thank you very much.
And let's talk as well about Copenhagen, because I know that that's a bit different. I know that you're coming at it from a slightly different angle. I know it's a bit, am I right in saying it's a bit a bit smaller maybe than some of the others? Yeah, and absolutely. Well, I mean, here's the thing, Emily, and you and I have talked about this, right? The, the real estate industry has been a, uh, uh, has had such a profoundly positive impact in throughout the world and building great cities and structures and habitats and places to live and shop and work and play and, and, um, uh, and travel to. But there's also some significant problems and challenges within the industry. I mean, DEI is, is always going to be a challenge until it's not, and we won't rest until we can make some real strides there. Um, the, the, and the other two, as it relates to technology, is one that's definitely on my mind is affordable housing and how can technology solve affordable housing crisis, and it needs to. And the big one, though, is climate. Um, the built world, as you know, uh, as well as anybody, um, has is responsible for 40% of all carbon emissions between operating carbon, uh, operating emissions and embodied carbon. And you know, the industry to date has spent about $100 million on decarbonization tools. And the challenge is somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 18 trillion or 15 to 20 trillion to decarbonize the built world. A lot of that is existing real estate. That's the bulk of it. And we just don't, we don't have the sort of the ecosystem yet. We don't have the community yet. We don't have the sense of urgency yet. Um, we don't even have the narrative or the, the storytelling uh, yet in, in the ecosystem where people are talking about it enough. In Europe, sure. feels like it's table stakes in Europe. In the U.S., unfortunately, it's not. Other parts of the world, it's not. So I'm on a mission to decarbonize the built world. This is my legacy. This is the single most important thing I've ever taken on for my children's sake, for their children's sake, for the, for the world, for the planet. And the, you know, the core challenge is the real estate industry as a whole, as I said, while it's, it produces so much good in the world, it doesn't move organically. It, it moves when there's external forces that force it to change or, or it moves when it sees opportunities to uh, typically to, to monetize uh, you know, dislocations in the marketplace, right? So the real estate industry will move into a certain product category where it sees an opportunity, single family rentals, new category, massive now, all the money comes in. You start to see that in other food groups, right? Now you take climate and you say, well, the industry is the biggest contributor of greenhouse gas emissions of any other industry. How are we gonna mobilize this industry? Is it gonna be government? Is it gonna be tenants? Is it gonna be consumers? Um, what is gonna be the impetus to drive this, this massive uh, investment that we need? And the, the simple answer is, I don't know. But I'm going to be on the front lines being the advocate. I have a big audience. I've got a lot of great friends like you that will help raise the, the level of awareness. So what I'm trying to do with Copenhagen is to galvanize 200 thought leaders in the world's most sustainable city to sort of roll up their sleeves with me and say, OK, how are we going to tackle this as a community? Because we need to build a community of activists that really are going to push and drive change. It's not going to be something organically that's going to be a slow you know, methodical uh, growth uh, as an industry like we've seen in prop tech. Um, you know, again, I hate to say it, but were it not for COVID, prop tech would not have scaled uh, as it has through 2020, 21, and now 22. Well, you know, what's it going to take for the built world to embrace climate when 
there isn't this great sort of mandate right now. So I'm out there saying, listen, I'll be the catalyst. I'll try and organize the industry. I'll try and bring together the technology solutions, the investors, the thought leaders, the landlords, developers, brokers, asset managers, and let's start there. So Copenhagen is really, you know, it's, it's really about building this collective action, starting there and then brainstorming um, uh, thought leadership, uh, connecting people and start with this 200 that'll hopefully then grow and scale into a real movement. So that's what I'm trying to do with Copenhagen. Well, it sounds like um, quite, quite the task. As I said in the beginning, I gravitate towards the hard things. This is yeah. the hardest thing I've ever taken on because, you know, like I put out an email a letter the other day on Crete Tech and it said, you know, this is my mission. I believe in science. The, the, the facts are there science is there the planet's warming look outside every day there's another catastrophic weather event that's happening join me in this fight and i get tremendous amounts of hate mail venomous venomous yeah and these what are people who, i mean what do people oh, say gosh, i <laughs> i don't respond to it because I think that's what they want is they want and the only power that i have is the power of my attention right the power of where i put my 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 time in so i i don't respond because i think that's what they want but you know it's it's sort of climate deniers and they come at me and and it's fine i mean that's what i'm, I'm willing to put my name out there and put my whatever uh reputation for whatever that's worth um but it's hard i mean you've got the deniers um that think it's a hoax and this is within the real estate industry these are not fringe you know these are people i know their addresses because they their emails have signatures in it that are in you know urban and suburban environments in in high profile markets and they just come at me and call me all sorts of names and so you've got that contingent which is small but it's there and then you've got the real estate industry that says basically well who's paying for it and you know so we get a lot of like well should the tenants pay for it should the residents pay for it i'm not paying for it um, and then you've got a lot of people that are just saying, okay, well, where do I start? And what are the tools and technologies that are out there? So it is a massive, massive undertaking. But I think the end result is green is very, very good. It's good for the bottom line. It's proven now. There's enough research that's out there from Harvard and MIT and many, many others in Oxford that says if you invest in climate green technologies, you can command higher rents. You can sell the, the building will, will sell for a premium. The tenants want it. The residents want it. So there is an ROI there. We just got to work harder at delivering the message and connecting the solutions to the to the to the you know to the real estate industry in such a way that adoption can happen really quickly. If there was a message that you wanted to leave our listeners with today as we as we gear up for London or you gear up for London and is in this like in what two weeks two weeks we live yeah must be two weeks away now. Um what message would you leave everybody with today? <laughs> what message? Well listen I, I hope that the Cretech brand that my, myself and the team have built is a is a is a really is a kind brand. I know that sounds so you know, so you know unicorns and rainbows and what have you. But you know we really try and and make this a really kind brand that helps people embrace technology. So, um, and and really everybody's boat rises in this rising tide. So uh, my message to people is if you don't know anything about technology and you're just the slightest curious, come on in under the tent. It's friendly. It's inviting, it's inclusive, it's informative, 
it's incredibly um, giving community where people just want to help each other, whether it's get a job, learn about technology, um, support each other. Um, so we've got in the conferences, there's a huge networking component where we just we use a we use an app to help people connect with each other. There's thousands of meetings that are that take place at these conferences. We've got our we've got our main and, and in a couple of, in a, uh, stages for speaking opportunities for people will be speaking startups and landlords. And then, you know, we've got the trade show. We've got great technology solutions to discover. So it's just a very welcoming environment to, to come into. So I would just say, come on in. It's it's friendly, it's warm, the sun's shining, and it's a it's a good place to be for your career and for your company and hopefully for the planet. Well, I agree with all of that, apart from the sun shining, which literally <laughs> in London in April is oh, a tall order, but you know, hopefully you can bring some sunshine with you when you come over. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. Always a pleasure, and always, um, always look forward pleasure. to seeing you in London and Copenhagen. And I hope that the uh, that the message is out there that it's happening. And guess what? It's going to be sunny. <laughs>